Welcome to the podcast Heartbeat of Humanity. I'm Ia Susanna Kasha, a technical advisor at the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. In this episode of Mental Health and Psychosocial Support Lessons of Global Disasters and Pandemics, Professor Barbara Yoon will talk about uh, resilience and how we can increase resilience during and after the corona pandemic. Okay, so now I will come to, to, the, to the good side, to the resilience part, and look at what, what makes people resilient during this crisis. So uh, this is one study uh, that shows it, uh, that strategies, uh, coping strategies, like maintaining a healthy lifestyle, maintaining social contacts, but also the ability to accept a certain level of anxiety and negative emotions. Like I said before, you have to be able to cope with a certain level of anxiety, uh, fostering self-efficacy, uh, being able to do something, and uh, seeking information uh, where to get medical treatment if needed seem to be positive uh, coping strategies. Um, Suppression of anxiety and negative emotions seems to be associated with more psychological burden. That's what I said before. If you do too much avoidance, it's not very good. This is a very important study about psychological flexibility, coping and mental health in, in the UK. Um, they show that psychological flexibility um, can help to understand and predict how an individual may be affected uh, by the pandemic. Um, psychological flexibility was uh, highly associated with uh, lower stress levels uh, and could uh, predict um, lower levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. Barbara, um, okay. I, I've heard that people are very interested in knowing how you understand psychological flexibility. So yes. maybe could I ask you to say a bit about what it is and how to achieve it or how to measure it? Mm -hmm. Again, I, I, I would say fle psychological flexibility uh, is the ability to, to adapt to new situations and the ability to tolerate lower levels of negative emotions. Again, it's about emotion regulation, about the emotion regulation abilities, and about the abilities to face new situations and to adapt to new, new situations. So it's mainly about this uh, ability to balance out one's, on the one hand, problem-orienting, coping strategies, on the other hand, emotion regulation coping strategies. Like on the one hand, we have coping strategies like information seeking, which is problem-oriented. And on the other hand, we have emotion regulation strategies like avoidance, which is emotion regulation strategies, which helps us to get the anxiety a little bit down. And we have to have a balance of those two. If I focus only on one, uh, one side, uh, one of these sites, then I have a problem also with the adaptation to new situations. There are measures, but the measures uh, often only uh, measure parts of that. 
uh, and often the measures like this measure uh, are measures that only ask myself how I see myself. Are you, uh, if you get in a new situation, are you able to cope with that? Or, or are you a person who always has to stick to the same routine? Questions like that. But Thank I you. think these, these, uh, these results are promising. Thanks a lot. Shall, <laughs> shall we go on to the, to the physical activity? Now it's your turn, Ea. <laughs> so there is a lot there is a lot of studies showing that there's a positive co correlation uh we thought healthy healthy lifestyle was the was the term before but now it's physical activity and mental well-being there's a very very high correlation uh those who were able to maintain a regular exercise routine uh were very much better in mental health uh, during uh, the forced rest period, but also afterwards. What would you do? Would you say yeah, to that result? I, I would, of course, I would absolutely agree. And uh, it, it's not only the physical ability; it's also the ability to relax. Uh, one thing that I could mention is that if you need to sleep well, and we all do that to cope well, you need to be able to let go and relax. Otherwise, you can't sleep if you're too tense and worried. So. It's, it's both that you need to regulate uh, the, the activity and the, the arousal level. So I'm, I'm happy you're bringing this up. Mm -hmm. And it's not about sports always. Uh, physical activity doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean sports. Not everybody has to do extreme sports. Not everybody has to jog around the block. It's about all forms of activity that that help you to move and activate your body, whatever it is, what you like to do. If, it, if you like to, to turn up the music and hop around, that's your physical activity. If you like to clean the house, many have cleaned the house very, very much during the first lockdown, uh, then that's your physical activity, whatever it is. Yeah, can I, can I also say that there's um, also studies on how getting in touch exactly as you say with your interoception, how you feel inside and what you feel like doing it, whether it's dancing or cleaning or taking a walk, makes you more in tune with um, your empathy and also how you regulate your own emotional life and, and thinking. So there are so many good sides to this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there are more and more studies, there have been more and more studies even before the pandemic about the, uh, the, the links and correlations between the physical and the mental health. Um, and here it's, an, it's the positive effect here. So positive effect is always positively related to challenge and controllable by self-appraisals, which means uh, if I'm in a positive effect, uh, I'm more often feeling in control and the other way around, I must say. So people who have more feeling of control during this pandemic are feeling more positive and the other way around. But also if you just take the positive effect alone. The positive effect alone helps to cope with difficult situations. We saw this in other studies, in older studies on people in bereavement. Those in bereavement who were able to at least feel positive effects sometimes, they uh, recovered much more quickly and much better than those who did not. So what we do normally in 
in grief therapy is encourage people to experience positive emotion even though they are in grief. That's very important because people in grief always think they are not allowed positive emotions because they, be, they think they betray the, that person if they feel positive effect. And that's not the case, that that person is not betrayed by that. So we encourage them to at least once a day feel, uh, make themselves feel positive. And the same thing uh, applies uh, to the situation now. Even, even if the situation is very, very, very bad, you have to laugh. You have to have your moments where you feel positive. And this is, this is one of the most important uh, effects in all studies on, on trauma uh, and grief that we had before the pandemic. And we can make good use of it now. Uh, negative effect was positively related to threat and centra centrality appraisals. This is also an aspect that I had mentioned before. The more people um, have the feeling, I'm just, um, I'm just a passive victim of this whole pandemic and of these whole measures, the less uh, positive they can feel. The more they have an active stance to the pandemic and see, uh, okay, uh, in a way, uh, it's uncontrollable, but there are some small things that I can control. I can put on the mask when I go shopping, whatever. I can do this and that. I can uh, try to uh, not visit my old parents just at the moment, or I can take some measures if I visit them, and so on. Then you, then you have more chance than if you just feel like a passive victim. And we know that from trauma research, we always say in trauma, you have to come from a passive victim to a, an active survivor. And that's what we all have to do now. We have to, uh, to change from passive victims to active survivors of this pandemic. First aid, psychological first aid, psychosocial support, does it have a role? Yes, it has a role. Uh, it's an essential care component, and everybody uh, would agree to that at the moment. But, and also here, yeah, you could, could say something perhaps, but uh, online mental health services uh, have to be adopted. In China, in Europe, everywhere, all the psychosocial people, all the therapists have learned how to work online with people, how to provide online psychosocial support, online psychological first aid. You have trainings in that area. You have done trainings. You have made a training pro, a whole training program about it. What do you want to say about it? No, I think it's it's very interesting, and I think you're very right. And I think that for the next step, some of the um, outcomes of your studies will, uh, or what you're presenting, will help us greatly in moving forward and and helping people maybe also um, on the online support because we find that IFSC has found that most who call in they have uh, sufficient information about the pandemic, but what we need more is to help them to have this flexibility. A psychological flexibility and the stoic approach something I can handle something I can handle and and some something I can control and focus on that so I think these what you're coming up with is going to be very helpful for the next phase of moving further with psychological first aid in, in the pandemic mm -hmm. 
Uh, we in the Austrian Red Cross, we also uh, we also do online psychological first aid, and we do face to face. What we saw, we did an evaluation of our online services, and uh, if we go to the area of where 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 online works best is uh, where we in our, uh, for example, in in the uh, psychosocial support for our staff and volunteers, it works best. Uh, in the proactive contact with those in quarantine. Also with the population, it works very well if you proactively contact people who have to be in quarantine because they are a suspected case or because they have COVID. Uh, the other online psychological first aid, like uh, the hotlines, they work well, but um, they have their limits, I would say. Uh, so what, what most of the hotlines, our hotline says is that people don't come with COVID problems to the hotline. They come with their everyday problems that are at the moment a little bit more difficult because of COVID, but they don't call because of COVID, uh, which has led it, uh, to, to, um, uh, to uh, our conclusion that we don't provide a COVID hotline. We provide the normal help hotline. We call it the, the Kummer Nummer in German, which is uh, a number that you can call when you have sorrows. Yeah, it's about the burden. Yeah, burden, whatever. Yes. So we, we, we prefer to call it more general because that's why people call. Yeah. And in the crisis intervention, which is uh, this immediate support when somebody has died, for example, in some cases you can do it online. But what we do online mostly is the assessment. So we call people in this situation. We have a look at the situation at home. For example, who is present? Is there a person, one, at least one person present who is able to cope with the situation? If we have such a person, we coach this person through the situation how to help the others. If we don't have such a person, if everybody is completely distressed, like, for example, after the death of a child, we send in our teams with protective equipment. So you cannot do it in all cases. In some cases, you have to be there face-to-face. -face. So you have, with your services, you have to always be careful which services can you do online and which services you have to provide in a face-to-face -face manner. Also, in the care for older people, we saw that we can do, we have a visiting service for older people. And during the first lockdown, we, we, we put this visiting service online because most of the volunteers working in this visiting service are risk group themselves. And this worked very well. So this, this worked okay. And also in the support of older people, sometimes, especially the people with dementia, the tablet worked better than the face-to-face -face because they couldn't cope with the protective care. So sometimes it may be better, even better to do it online for some people than to do it with a protective care in front of the face. That's really interesting. And I think that um, now that the second wave is coming in some countries, the corona hotlines are going up again. But I quite agree that in, in, in many countries, the, the corona hotlines are now like more like helplines. Um, where people call in and, and to ask for, or just to, to, to have somebody to talk to about how they feel, how, how they are expressed, and, and get help on what they can do. 
So I, I agree that there's going to be the assessment and, and also that the, the need to change over time and helplines need to be adaptable. And, you know, we really need to, to be very flexible. Here we have to have our own psychological flexibility. Um, I would say so, yes. Yeah. And, and the pandemic, the, the, the difficult thing with the pandemic is that it goes in waves. And, and so you, you always have a change. Also in needs of people, that, that there's always a change. It goes up and down and up and down. And then you close your, your helpline and then it goes up again and, and so on. Yeah. So the conclusions, what are the conclusions? I would say we have to watch out for risk factors. We, we know that we have to, but in this case, we know we have to look for gender aspects. We, look, we have to look for age, the youngest and the oldest age group. We have to, to look at the social and economic factors, uh, the pre-existing mental health conditions, and not forget the intersectionality, like not forget, for example, migrants, uh, especially some migrant populations, re uh, refugees. When we, when we ask for what, what, what do we have to do, I think in psychosocial support we have to focus much more on self-efficacy. On uh, Like you said Ea, before, teaching people what, what do I have to accept at the moment and where do I have control. And see these small parts of control in, in the... Um, Antonovsky uh, sense of coherence. Uh, we say um, we say it's about uh, the ability to see the small spaces, the small areas where you have uh, yeah, you have your ability to act, to co to take control. Um, and here we can help people to see that uh, it's about positive effect, helping people to go out if they are focusing too much on the on the crisis and on the negative aspects help them to go out of it and to go into positive effect uh, help them with emotion regulation with this balance that we have talked about psychological flexibility help them to adapt to a new situation uh, if a person is saying but i cannot go shopping with a mask in my face it's not possible try to help them to take these small, small, small steps because in our experience, as soon as people try it out several times, they get able to do it, even if before they think they cannot do it at all. Um, sometimes it's also about, uh, about um, doing it and showing them how to do it. For example, in my, uh, in my office, I, as the, uh, as the, the leader of the group, I started to wear masks weeks ago uh, because I knew we, have, we will have to do that. And as soon as I started, everybody else started, and now it's a normal thing to do. So you have to, to try to help people with that. Physical activity, as we said. Social contact. Find, find ways to keep up social contact, good ways of social contact. Also online. And emotion regulation, as I said before. And uh, regarding the information, I think we have we have to help people to work through the information at the same time while providing the chance for self protection. And 
also teach them how to find positive and negative information, how to find their way through the jungle of information at the moment. There is also a lot of positive information out about this, this virus and the crisis. You, have, you just have to find it and to balance it against the negative information. And to provide enough support for the helpers is uh, one of our main, um, main concerns at the moment because our helpers are really stressed in the hospitals and also not only in the hospitals, also uh, in, in the ambulance sector. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of loss of trust. There's a lot of anger against people who have not been careful enough to, during the summer. So we have a lot of frustration and stress in our own people, and we have to deal with that in a good manner. Thanks a lot, Barbara. That was so intense and interesting. And I have one question that I was wondering about when you spoke. When you talk about how you have seen in previous pandemics that after the pandemic is over, the level of anxiety and frustration um, depression goes up so go up so why is that we have the same effect in in war situations so in, if people are in a chronic traumatic situation like in the pandemic or in a war situation they use up i would say they use up all their psychological energy to protect themselves and bring themselves through the crisis so and much of energy is used to keep symptoms down. And after the crisis is over, in this first phase where you can feel safe again, everything comes up. Uh, we, we, we know this effect also in the acute traumatization situation or in, in if you, for example, if you have um, an accident, Often during the accident, you don't feel anything. You are just in dissociation. Uh, after you come home, for example, you have done everything you have to do, and then you are sent home, and then you are home, and then whoosh, the whole emotion gets you. And this is this effect after you are also your physical protection, uh, the higher cortisol levels, uh, the the uh, the. Um, the protection through dissociation, dissociation uh, after this has ceased, your symptoms go up. Thank you. That's very clear. So um, I'd like to thank you once more for this very rich and very enlightening presentation. Um, and I'm sure that all um, we will all use it to, to find out and, and to evaluate what we're going to do next. So that has been extremely helpful for the ENPS and for the reference and psychosocial support. So. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Mental Health and Psychosocial Support, Lessons Learned from Global Disasters and Pandemics. For more information and material and trainings, etc., go to the Reference Center website, pscenter.org.